Welcome to The Sweet Spot, the podcast for C-suite IT executives and leaders from C-suite leaders. And now for today's podcast, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. I'm Howard Holton. And I'm Paul Lewis. And this is The Sweet Spot, coming to you this week from VMworld. So, uh, how are you enjoying VMworld so far, Paul? I'm enjoying it. I'm seeing a transitionary message from VMware, which I find intriguing from the uh, on-premise and agile deployment of applications and technology to the inclusion of multi-cloud. It's not only an option, but part of the diversification needed for you know, your application portfolio as a whole. I like that term, diversification. Um, so let's talk about what that means, because uh, you and I have talked a bit about some of the technology that we're seeing deployed, and I think you and I have a different feeling on it than the messaging from VMware that we're maybe seeing in the keynote, right? Um, for instance, one of the things that they showed was the, was the ability to live migrate workloads from Amazon to Azure, as an example. Mm. And I don't... I, I think you and I are in agreement, but I don't see that being something that is a capability I need. Yeah, it's kind of an architectural fallacy, right? There's this purism that says, why don't I build an application that can be deployed in multiple places, but even more importantly, where I can move it from one cloud to the other? Or even worse, where I could switch it with another application in another cloud. When the reality is, you design, for the most part, for a destination. You're designing for it to run in some place, and while there might be a need in the future to reclaim that place to another place for cost or sensitivity or privacy issues, it's just not a frequent event. Like it might occur possibly in the future one time, but it's not a reoccurring event. Therefore, fortunately, it's not, it doesn't seem necessary. I 100% I agree with you. That's kind of the problem that I saw with it, right? Um, I can absolutely understand wanting a framework where what I design is cloud independent and thus I can deploy to the correct cloud from for that workload at that time. Yes. But what I don't understand is why I would ever want to live migrate. I may wish to wholesale move. Right. But live migrate isn't something that I that to be honest I really understand, especially considering these are complex contractual obligations that we enter into. Right. And I tend not to want to overspend on cloud any more than I want to overspend on prep. And if I'm going to have the space to live migrate, I kind of have to overspend in both places. And what's the likelihood you have a utility-based single application that's only performing a single function to which you can, in fact, just migrate alone? No, you're likely to have multiple applications in a platform application that actually have to work together in some transactional way. Right. To solve a problem, right? You're just not shifting an app. You're shifting a portfolio, which is clearly far more So one of the things that I've commented on here about VMworld is it is an extremely good technical show for technologists, but it only really shows part of the equation. Because the other part of the equation is everything that executive leadership does. I don't see a lot of strategic conversation at VMworld. Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of licensing and contractual back-end conversation and consideration. There's a lot of feature functionality. There's a lot of training you how to use new features. Mm-hmm. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of conversation about where do those features fit? What is the 
architectural best practice decision made to use these advanced features. Just if you're going to use these features, this is how you should use those yeah, features. It's, it's execution. Now that you've already determined you want this, how do you implement that? Versus why do I even know that I want this? Right. Why is this feature important? Why is this application important? Why is this partnership important? Why is the ecosystem important? Because I'm looking at my thousand applications in my company and I'm saying, uh, you know, I have to rationalize, I have to simplify, I have to modernize, I have to start to do new things for my digital business and help create growth in my organization. But how? Like, give me, give me some sort of roadmap to, to get me to that point. So, so we were talking about this kind of dichotomy, right, um, of how do we make these architectural deterministic decisions that are ultimately right for the business, mm -hmm. right? Um, one of the things that I also don't see discussed here that you and I have talked about a bit and, and we've talked about a little bit internally is um, looking at the application holistically, which is more than just uh, the, say, two servers and three install packages that make up that application, right? It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not just a database and a web front end and some back end worker box. Right. The holistic application is the value it provides to the business, the things that that it touches, right? The totality of the ecosystem that surrounds that business value. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen no conversation about that. Like there's there's an assumption that you understand what all of that is in your journey to whatever the next version of the of the application will be, without really that context of the holistic look at the, the application starting with the business value. Yeah, and even you might not even know the business value. In other words, you might not even know what kind of uh, sort of revenue it creates or even efficiency it provides, but you should at least know what the business function is, right? Sure. You should really appreciate that this is one of several applications within a business operation, and in fact, it exists for the purpose of creating this widget or shifting this widget from person to person or... Um, auditing content or looking at a scan of a patient or helping baggages move from one carousel to another because that business function will help you determine the business value. But if you're not even considering the function, you can't possibly consider the business outcome. Right. Right. They're looking at the IT in terms of some sort of IT outcome and making it faster, cheaper, better, more efficient is still an IT outcome. The business outcome is based on that business function and value to say, um, how can I make that baggage go to the carousel a little bit faster? Or how can I compare the scan in front of me with the scans that have ever been in front of me before? And how can I you know, predict and create a better diagnosis because of it that is distinctly different than the IT outcomes? But there, it, it seems to be in many ways a sort of a bridge too far. And I wonder if we could figure out a way to... To, to bring those two worlds back together. Right. It's not even a right brain, left brain conversation. It's a brain number one and brain number 73. Right. And those two brains too often don't come together in the same room to have a conversation of, of metered value. Right. So is this a discussion of enterprise architecture? Right. When we look at the bigger practice of enterprise architecture in a business, they're looking at business context. Right. They're saying, if I were to describe the company, the line of business, the department, the business function, I should be able to describe it in such a way that I know 
how it makes money, how it spends money, what are the value proposition for it, who are the clients for this, who are the suppliers for this, uh, what are the assets I need to produce. Do we need to start there, even with a single application, maybe even a single function with the application and say, give me the context of this before I can determine if I should do anything with it? I, I, yeah, I think we do, to be frank, right? I, I think if we start talking about business outcome, which is really where all this should start, mm -hmm. right? it should start with what is the business outcome that we're aiming for? What is the value that we're bringing to the business? And that value may be additional revenue, it may be new revenue, it may be a modification or enhancement of additional revenue, it may just simply be efficiency, mm -hmm. right? What, it, what business outcome it is not is a reduction in cost. I would argue that a reduction in cost that remains within IT is an IT improvement, not a business outcome. Right. right. But outside of that, we absolutely should start there. And that really very much is an enterprise architect conversation. Right. How is the enterprise itself architected and how are we going to alter the business architecture to support whatever this new feature functionality capability is? Mm -hmm. To use a term that I've started to use because I like the way you use it, capability. If we're going to add a capability, what is, how does it change the business? How does it enhance the business in some way? And I think if we can't answer that question, we probably need to start over. Mm -hmm. right? We probably need to revisit why are we going down this path to begin with. Right. So how do, what's the transition? So if I'm a technologist who knows how to implement uh, my, my VMware topology so that I can start to create an on-premise situation to a... Um, uh, to one that now includes an ability to be agile into the public cloud or even deployed directly into the public cloud, um, what's the step that I take? What's the, what's the question that I ask to determine the business context, to appreciate the business capability? So I think it, I think it depends. Um, for me, I come about it one of two ways. Um, either I'm a scientist, in which case the goal of science is to question everything to achieve better understanding. So I question what is this application? What does it do? What is it, its goal? Who are the users? Right? I start looking at the application holistically, like I was saying before. And anybody can do that. Right? A help desk technician can start looking at the business applications they support holistically, as can an engineer, an architect, or a CIO. I mean, there are a number of CIOs that we communicate with that don't look at their applications holistically. Right? Or the other option is it's the X-Files, in which case it's once again question everything. <laughs> right. But I think it starts with that question. Right. I think it starts with why. Why this application? Why right, this tool set? Why did we choose this and what does it do? And in, in asking that, it's what else does it interact with? What are dependent upon it, both people and processes? And what is it dependent upon? both people and processes, right? If, if this application is responsible for moving bags, how does it know which bags to move, right? Is it, is it just an application that moves a, a conveyor belt and then it's human beings that stare at tags? Is all of the information contained in the luggage tag that it scans using a multi-directional QR code or barcode reader? Or is there some other interface that's required? Like, does it report, the last time I saw this bag was at this carousel or this uh, turnstile or this conveyor belt or this intersection so that if the bag doesn't make it on the plane and isn't found by the by the end user they can say well it didn't actually make it on your plane how do we report that back right and I think that's kind of where I would start well there's some technology that can help so especially the integrations right we can see where in 
applications interact, where you interact externally to the organization, where servers interact with applications. Um, but that's only going to show you the, the, the web, right? It's not going to show you the human interactions. Um, it's not going to show you why I key into this application and have to key into the secondary application and have to key into the third application right. if they don't actually interact as a whole. Because we know, even though I might have a thousand applications, I actually are enforcing the ESB to be the person because I don't actually have some level of technological integration and therefore I won't show you that. Which means the technologist not only should have a general appreciation for the enterprise and how it works, but certainly the enterprise from a business perspective on how a transaction would flow from how I create this record to how it's ultimately fulfilled. So that the interaction of the technologist needs to have been experienced within the business to appreciate what the end to end looks like. Oh, I agree. We, we should almost and fully expect our technology team, especially the architecture team, to have lived in the business for some period of time. Right? They appreciate what it means to earn a dollar in, in the world where that dollar is paying for their salary. Sure. At, at least appreciate how the dollar is earned. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that you have to be a baggage handler to be an enterprise architect at an airport. Right. But you really have to understand how does a baggage handler earn a dollar right. and how does that dollar earn a dollar for the business. Right. Right. I think that's that's really critical and, and entirely too often uh, missed or or simply not considered. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, also, I want to challenge that we have a thousand applications. Okay. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you and I, we, we kind of go through this, right? Language, I think, is really important. It's how we communicate. And, and I, I almost think that's one of the problems that we have, too, is I've never been anywhere where, where we really had a thousand applications. I had a thousand distinct pieces of code, right? I had a thousand things that were installed. But in reality, I had, like, 85 applications, right? And each one of those may contain 12 different pieces of installed code, right. tools, but they all reinforced each other. Sure. And I think we almost need to start thinking about those as that's the application, right? The application is uh, the ticketing experience. If that's one tool, front end or back end, or if that's a thousand tools, front end and back end, it's still one application. Sure. Right? It's, a, it's a fair statement, especially as we evolve technology from you know larger complex code bases to SOA to microservices, you know the the, the ball gets smaller in those in the in the bucket holds more balls, right? right? So you've got <laughs> the size size of the bucket still the same. It's either a block of ice or a bunch of ice cubes, right? It's kind of <laughs> the same amount of water, right? And ultimately, success <laughs> is contained within the bucket, not the ice cubes, right? Right. As we break those things down into microservices. The worst thing that can happen is we lose sight of the bucket and we just focus on the ice cubes right. because we'll end up missing some really valuable pieces of ice that don't that don't reside within the bucket, and we find out later when we've got a bill that doesn't that doesn't add value. Or even worse, you have a bucket of ice cubes and three of those cubes are amazing. <laughs> right, right. They're the perfect cube, never to be changed, um, and then everything else is specs. Right, they're sure. dust, sure. ice dust. Or, or could, could very well be melted down, evaporated, lost. <laughs> right. It would make no difference because right. we didn't question. Right. right. We didn't question why do we have this? What feature value does this thing provide? And that's macro. And right, we've been talking about it on the on the uh, uh, the macro level. 
Yeah. Right? What is the holistic application? But then that also does translate down to the micro level. Right? What are the components that make up that holistic application, and are those necessary? Right. I don't know. I, I I don't know that I could really quantify the number of times that I've gone in and done an assessment for a customer only to find out that application hasn't been used in six years. Right, or it gets used two times a year for one button click that could very easily be done in something else, but no one ever looked at it and no one ever trained anyone. Right, right, or it could be replaced by an Excel macro and save a hundred thousand dollars in renewal costs every year. Right, right, it's becoming less and less common, but it is still absolutely there. We tend to uh, we tend to set it and forget it with some of the things we install. So then, back to the business outcomes. What's the difference between an IT outcome and a business outcome? Like, how do I differentiate the two, and how do I know one isn't the other? Well, that's a really good question. So, I would say a business outcome aligns to the goals of the corporation, of the business. How the business makes money is fundamental to that question, right? And and thus, how does this support or enhance that ability? I would. I probably wouldn't be as specific in terms of how the business makes money. I'd probably be a little bit more business contexty, and I would say it could be any one of um, how you describe a business model holistically. It could be any one of how it makes money, how it spends money. That doesn't mean IT spend. That just means spend as a whole. Um, how it describes its value proposition. How it describes the customers or the segments it attracts or doesn't attract. What assets it has and what IP it creates—that's unique and distinguishable from others—and um, what suppliers and how that's distinctly different from other companies with other suppliers. All of that can be considered the business model, and therefore any changes positively and negatively are business outcomes. Either I'm degrading sure. or creating new client segments I never had before. I'm creating less or more revenue, spending more or less money. Uh, creating assets more or less more valuable than it, all part and parcel of that thing. Those describe business outcomes, and you could describe them at the macro, the company, or the micro, the department. Uh, but when it comes to IT outcomes, they're much more physically oriented, right? IT outcomes are saying, um, how do I ensure that not just my department improves its practice, but I'm getting better performance on the IT asset to which I have, um, or um, I'm saving FTE money for the purpose of managing the IT set of assets or set of services. Sure. That's how yeah, I, mean, I, would say, I would say that the IT ones are easy. They don't extend outside of IT. Right. right. If the value to the business does not extend outside of IT, it is very distinctly uh, an, an IT outcome, right. not a business outcome. But but your definition of business outcome is a much more thorough version than mine. <laughs> and, and I would totally agree. When I say uh, how the business makes money, to me, that's it's it's really value, mm -hmm. right? Does it provide value to the business in some way that aligns with the goals of the business, right? right. Um, because ultimately, if it provides value to the business but it doesn't align to the goals of the business, it's probably an extremely short-term return that doesn't reinforce the strategy of the business, right. um, and in many cases can pull the business in a direction they're not interested in going. Right? In in some cases, it can be more destructive than the the value it provides. So I have an opinion on the biggest impediment on IT thinking of business outcomes versus IT outcomes. I, I have an answer in my head, but I'd love to hear what yours is before I tell uh, Biggest impediment of... The, the biggest impediment is conferences like the one we're at today. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to say it, but, but it, it's this echo chamber of 
lack of understanding, almost like there's a firewall between business and IT. And that firewall, while we try to say that it's that it's that it's being destroyed and, and we start talking, we've, we've been talking using the term business outcome, the reality is all we did was we put some fancy glass there and said, look, you can see the business from here. Mm-hmm. But we haven't actually moved outside of it, right? We talk about business outcomes, but in reality, what we talk about is reducing cost. Mm-hmm. We talk about business outcomes, but we talk about the time it takes IT to turn something around. Those are IT efficiencies. Those are right. IT cost reductions. Those are very, very much IT outcomes. I, I struggle to find a booth that really has a business outcome. I struggle to find a talk that has a real business outcome. And I struggle to find a, a keynote that has a true business outcome. Right? The exception being these are all business outcomes that help support the vendors themselves that are selling IT products. Right. Because their business is, in fact, IT products. So that would be, that would be my thought. You also see a lot of words, especially in booze, that are uh, not likely business outcomes based on the IC implementation, right? So you'll walk by a booth and say, I saved, um, I reduced the time to search for oil by 87%. Now, what's the likelihood that this IT implementation is, in fact, the only thing that has occurred that has now saved this business or improved the performance by 87%? Quite small, right? So we kind of overestimate the IT value to a business outcome. But, but my my thought and consideration of why IT still considers IT outcomes as being business outcomes is because they get measured almost entirely by IT outcomes and not business outcomes. So from the CIO down, they get measured on um, project delivery. They get measured on red, green, yellow, uh, uh, both projects, but but blinking lights in the data center. They get measured on efficiency in IT. They get measured in performance and uptime. They get measured in um, value created in a project sense to the line of business. What they don't get measured on is new client segments I've been able to attract or divestiture of a line of business that wasn't creating money or how quickly I've been able to enable an acquisition so that it was creating the synergy revenue I expected to earn. Once you start to measure IT in those business outcomes, you start to measure IT's practices in terms of business outcomes, and therefore the projects are measured in that exact same way. And I, so until we make that evolution, I think IT will still focus on IT outcomes. Uh, I agree. I think IT should have the same KPIs that business has, not different KPIs. Right. Right. If the KPI is uptime, it's not uptime of the data center. Right. My uptime is uptime of the radiology equipment while the radiologists are trying to use it. Right. right, Because a radiologist doesn't care what happens at 3 o'clock in the morning if they're not having to view those documents right. at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I could have a, a three-hour maintenance cycle every night and probably no one would notice. Now, someone from a radiology department is going to point out that I'm wrong, right. but that's okay. Right, Everyone is different, but the KPI should be associated to the business, not IT. Yeah. Right. It, why does it matter if I can provision things in 17 minutes if my new provision rate is three times a year? Right. Is that really a KPI that I need to aim for? Right. right. So so I think aligning the, the business KPIs back to IT and our success criteria is the same as the people we're serving, that I think will start to kind of change that philosophy. And frankly, it'll bring around the why question. Right? If my KPIs, my success is dependent upon, matches the business user that I'm serving, I probably need to understand what the hell that KPI means. 
And I probably need to understand what is that success criteria to them so I can then make sure that what I'm aiming for actually matters. Yeah. And it could be just context of words. IT calls it uptime. Business calls it availability. Customer calls it, can I sign into my website at any time of the day in order to look at my balance? Right? Uptime equals balance availability. Right. Right? They're kind of the same. The words are different, but we mean the exact same result. Well, and, and part of it, too, is acceptability. Yeah. Right? Is it acceptable? Is the acceptability requirement that um, my latency between the click of the sign-in and the balance page 0.2 seconds? I'm not sure that, that it is. Right? I, don't, I don't think I would notice that as a banking user. Right. But it's probably also not three minutes. Right, right. And so what is that acceptability? And, and, and have we clearly defined it? How are we tracking it? How do we validate it? And then what are the systems in place to ensure that that, that acceptability remains, remains uh, the KPI and we're, we're fighting within that KPI? Right? I think all, too often we set ridiculous KPIs for ourselves either way. Right? Either it's, it's beyond the acceptability that a user will allow or it's so low that that we're failing it and the user still hasn't noticed. Well, that was a good chat. I think we had a good chunk for today. I think we did. I think we did. Well, this this has been Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. And we are the sweet spot. We will uh, talk to you all again next time.